Most of you by now know that I work at VIP Mortgage. A lot of you may not know why or how I got there. For us as LOs, we have a lot of options. And for me, VIP Mortgage was the perfect fit, the best place in my opinion to work. So if you have any questions about VIP Mortgage as an LO, or if you are a consumer and you're looking for a mortgage, you can reach out to me on social media, or you can reach out to anybody else that you may know at VIP Mortgage. And our website is VIPMTGINC.com. Welcome everybody to the next episode of Real Talk with Ryan Madrid. Uh, thank you to VIP Mortgage again for allowing us to have this podcast in this awesome room. Um, thank you to my nephew, Trey, over here who does the podcast engineering. And my sister, Trisha Madrid, who does the podcast production, along with many other things for us over here at VIP Mortgage uh, on the Crawford team. So today we have a special guest. Uh, man, this is going to be a good one. So before I say your name, I'm going to give a little, little history behind this situation. So we got a message via Facebook. We're also still trying to figure out how it actually came through. Um, but uh, an old friend that we never really... Actually, I mean, I knew her sister and brothers, but she was younger than us. Um, she happens to be married to this fine gentleman here who experienced some stuff. Um, uh, I say stuff, I mean like some incredi pretty incredible um, things uh, 20 years ago on the 11th, so 9-11. So this 9-11 this, uh, will be the 20th anniversary for the uh, tragedy, I guess, that mm -hmm. happened in, in New York City. So... Um, our guest is Danny Jacobson. He is uh, now a realtor as well with mm -hmm. Long Realty over in the West Valley, focusing on what, Peoria, Sun City, Glendale? Uh, main, mainly Peoria and North Valley, yeah. Okay. Northwest Valley, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for coming. Uh, this is going to be a good one for, I think, everybody, and we're excited for this, so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, so before we get into, I guess the the story behind you know what led you to be in New York when when uh, 9/11 happened, let's get uh, let's start a little bit with your background. So you're from West, uh, I'm sorry, Michigan, right? Michigan, yeah. Okay, yeah. Midwest boy, Midwest yep. boy, and uh, it's called <clears throat> Battle Creek, Battle Creek, Michigan, of all places, uh, home of Kellogg's. Yep, that's yep. what I was going to get. So <laughs> yeah, so Danny said if he was still back here in in Battle Creek, that he'd be on the Kellogg line. Yeah, probably yeah. in a factory somewhere. And yeah. making pretty good money, according to most of us. But he <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> it would have led it would have led to uh, yeah an unfulfilled life and probably right. in the bar. Right. Uh, so right. So so after you left Battle Creek, where did you go? Did you go to college or? Well, I was ironically enough attending Kellogg Community College in okay. Battle Creek uh, at the time, but uh, you know not really focused in in my studies and still working at the same time and. Uh, you know, living in my dad's basement, kind of that, mm -hmm. you know, ho-hum story. Uh, but I, I just couldn't see a future staying there. And so I decided, you know, it's time to get serious. And I started applying to colleges. And my grandparents lived in Sun City at the time. And I thought, you know, ASU, uh, U of A, and uh, got a letter back from U of A saying that I was accepted there. And I decided to finish up my education down in Tucson. But before that, uh, got a job in the financial services industry, um, sort of interning mm -hmm. and cold calling for a senior VP there. So, um, you know, there I was in the financial world, and that was my start in 1996. But, you know, on and off, I was mm -hmm. back in the office and then back down in Tucson. So it was an on and off process before I officially went into the training program. Okay. Yeah. So when you left, uh, so when you got done with, with 
U of A, did you mm -hmm. go straight to New York or what did you do? So <clears throat> I then went into the, um, the uh, financial advisor training program at Morgan Stanley. And this was in 2001, obviously, and had to go through a, a whole three month process to pass the series seven and get my, all the rest of my securities licenses. Brutal test. Brutal test. Yes, it is. <laughs> a 938 page did book. You, did you yeah. pass it your first try? Uh, no, okay. no, I didn't either. I, yeah. took it, I took it as well. <laughs> Pass it my second try. Well, well, the first time <laughs> I took it as a sales assistant, but when you take it as a financial advisor, you have one shot, mm -hmm. otherwise you're fired. So yes, I did pass it that time. Um, but then after that, they send you to New York city mm -hmm. to train in the world trade center and you get the whole, you know, wall street experience down there. So, right. Yeah. So were you, was the was the Morgan was it so Morgan Stanley Morgan Stanley was it Dean Witter too was it just Morgan it Stanley? started as Dean Witter and okay. then then it was Morgan Stanley Dean Witter and just by the time I went yeah, on in two thousand one right. we were just Morgan Stanley okay yeah. so did Morgan Stanley so their their <laughs> office was in the Twin Towers or one of them yes yeah they had several offices there in fact they were the largest tenant of the World Trade Centers at the time in two thousand one I believe they had some in Tower One but most in in Tower Two at the time. And the training class is always dedicated to the South Tower, Tower 2, which is the 61st floor. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So how many people were in your training class with you? Um, at the time, it was um, the largest class they had ever had. We had almost 300 uh, wow. candidates. Yeah. And the first day they told us, well, of, of all 300, 300 of you sitting here, be lucky to have 30 of you, 30 of you move right. on after year one and maybe 10 of you after year two. So that's were, inspiring. Yeah, that was inspiring. That's right? true, though, right? That's a brutal. I mean, it's a tough business. It is. It um, is. Yeah, I tried it too. I didn't. I didn't succeed. <laughs> I started with Bar, um, um, Solomon Smith Barney. Yeah, but it was Smith Barney. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> it wasn't Solomon Smith Barney. It's back when those corporations had one name. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually there. Um, this is funny that I'm not even funny, but this is crazy. I'm just thinking about this now. But I was in the office when I was the only one in the office on 24th Street in Camelback um, when the planes were hitting. Wow. And so I'm oh, sitting there. I'm sitting there because I, I was working for, she was a senior VP that come up, came from Merrill Lynch, just moved from New York to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And she was in like her late 60s and had a huge book. And all her clients were from, were all New York people because that's where she was from. So I had to get there super early and she was very like, you'd have to, I'd have to, print out the Bloomberg mm -hmm. reports for her mm -hmm. on her desk and highlight everything. So when she walked in the door, she knew exactly what to do. Right. But yeah, no, I, when it was happening, I was like calling at the time, you know, my wife. I did not know that. And I was like, oh my God, turn on the news, turn on the news. I was like, only went in the office. I was freaking out. So you were probably fielding a lot of phone calls at that time when it was going down. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. It was, it was, uh, it was a crazy time. Actually, that was the reason why I decided, like I, my son was going to be born in like three weeks. Wow. And uh, so I was like, dad, I think I want to go in the pharmaceutical sales business. I swear to God, that's really how it went. Like two wow. days afterwards, I called him. I was like, I got to get out of here. Wow. I don't want to do this anymore. And it was a brutal, I mean, it was hard anyways. I was yeah. super stressed out, but having to get to the office at like 4.30 in the morning every day sure. was not cool. But sure. this is about you, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So you guys are in the, uh, so you're in Tower One. Tower two. You're in tower two. Tower two. Yeah. Okay. So like walk us through that day for you. Well, I, I got to kind of go back two days okay. when I first arrived on the ninth. Um, 
it's it's weird. Uh, I was newly married at the time, um, and I would say not even ten months. Uh, and there I was going off uh, to you know through Sky Harbor Airport. My wife walked me to the gate. Back then you could do that, and she told me not to get on the plane. And you know I just thought, hey, look, we've been through this a thousand times. I'll be back in three and a half weeks. You know, I've, I've got a cell phone. I'll call you every day, you know, mm-hmm. throughout the day, whenever I can. She says, no, don't get on the plane. I just feel like something bad's going to happen. I don't know why she said it. Um, in hindsight, you know, we don't have the crystal ball, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's something to behold to 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 now go back and, and think about that. Um, but then, like I said, first day was when they were giving us all hope that most of us wouldn't be around in, in two years and, you know, in the mm-hmm. industry anyway. Um, but, but that morning, uh, that particular morning, uh, we were just getting into our first session and they were handing out traveler's checks for the rest of your time here. And they, it's 500, all $500 they give you, which is, you know, that's generous, but for three and a half weeks in New York city, you could (laughs) blow blow through that in one night if you're not careful. Right. Um, and, uh, so we made it to our first break and, um, you know, everyone takes their bathroom break, makes their phone calls, goes out to the, you know, the cafeteria, kitchen area to get a refreshment. Well, I went to the restroom and I noticed after about five minutes that I was all alone. And the day before, I was waiting in a long line and it took me 10 minutes to even get into the restroom. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was kind of weird. And I took my time, washed my hands, checked my hair, and I get out. And I open the doors, and up above, I see, like, this trail of smoke just moving at a really fast pace. And I looked to the side, which was, you know, to my left side, and there was an emergency exit maybe about 20 feet away. And there was one of our proctors saying, let's go, we've been hit. And I just, you know, went into the emergency stairwell. I could still see a few of, you know, our, our classmates running down the hall, but mainly... You know, it was just me and a couple of people left on the floor. So we get into the so emergency. Sorry, did you didn't hear it? No, anything, huh? no, didn't That's hear crazy. anything. So I'm I'm in Tower Two, in the inside the inner sanctum of the building mm-hmm. in in a bathroom. You know, so it's pretty insulated. Right. And Tower One had already been hit. Right. Okay. So apparently, what had what had happened is it blew out windows in the South Tower, some of which were on our floor, enough to you know the smoke was starting to travel into Tower Two. And so as we get in, you know, I start to, you know, hear what people are saying above me. They say, did you see what happened in Tower One? And a lot of people are like, no, what happened? It was a huge explosion. Someone said, Tower One just exploded. Someone said, I think a plane just ran into Tower One, you know. And I had heard stories about, you know, little Cessnas or little planes, you know, sometimes running into buildings. And I thought, well, this is, you know, just a a freak accident of some kind. Yeah. And so from floor 61, uh, we start sort of counting down. And I know we made it to floor 53 because there's huge placards, you know, above every door as you make it down. We made it to floor 53, and someone had opened the door just, you know, a couple seconds before I had made it down there. And so we got out, got a breather because it was really packed tight in the stairwell. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we were two and three across, you know, just shoulder to shoulder and doing our best to to go down the stairs. Well, I grabbed a house phone on floor 53 and it was just this buzz. It was dead. There was no signal. And down another hallway on floor 53, we saw an elevator. So a lot of us tried to get on that elevator. 
Well, the doors would close and then they would open. And we hit the button again, the doors would close and then they would open. Well, the way this, the World Trade Centers are designed, there's like elevator banks. So you have to make it down to a certain floor to get your, your next ride up. So it was about 40 floors, another 40 floors, and up to 110 stories. So we decided the elevator was disabled. So we figured let's just get back into the stairwell. You know, it's the best we can do is just yeah. try and get out of here. We don't know what's going on. So we get back into the stairwell, and there's even more people coming down at this point. And, um, and so at that point, again, like I said, we were counting down the floors, and we had made it to, you know, 48, 47, 46, and then 45. And then it was just this loud rumble. And the next thing you know, we were being knocked down off the stairs, off of our feet, some of us went to our knees. Some of us went on our butts. I was hanging onto the side rail. I was on the right side. I know there was some on the left, but at that point, everyone who was in the middle was just down on the ground. And um, there were lights with little plastic covers. I, the plastic covers were falling off the lights uh, in the stairwell. Um, I don't re- ever remember the lights going out because it still stayed bright enough in the building and uh, or in the stairwell. And at that moment, I started praying. Because I, I thought, you know, this is this is it. Because the building started to rock to my left. Mm. And when it rocked to the left, it wasn't coming back. It just kept going. It's like being on a cruise ship that you don't think is ever going to correct itself. And here I am in a 110-story building. I'm in the, about the middle of the building, and it's still going. So I kind of thought in the back of my head, the other building fell into our building. But... I didn't know what had happened, but at that moment, as I started praying, it was the Lord's Prayer. Remember, it was, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and when I got to thy will be done, I felt as if like these warm, big teddy bear arms were coming over my shoulders and just gripping in my chest and pulling me back and holding on to me. And it was at that moment that I felt this release and this cooling over my body. And the building began to come back to the right. It began to correct itself. And I thought for the split second, I'm like, no, I'm not going to die. Right. I think I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to die now. Were you like a religious guy at that point or spiritual? Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'd, okay. I'd always been raised in the church. Okay. Uh, Mom made sure that we were always, you know, going every Sunday, whether we wanted to or not. But, okay. but, I, I've always had a deep faith. Okay. Yeah. And um, and to, to be at that moment of death, to say, I'm going to die. Right. And to be at peace with it and to be praying and to be sort of falling to your knees, you know, figuratively. Was your mindset like, I'm, I'm okay if I die or if I live? I just knew you just felt like I'm okay. After that moment, yeah. Okay. After that moment, it was just like this release. It was this relief but there was still, there's still in the back of your mind. No, oh, yeah. You know, I this Uh-oh, I may not yeah. make it out of here. Right. But I, I just felt that relief. Yeah. I was like, okay, Lord, you're with me now. You know. Right. So, at that moment, we just continued to count the floors down. We continued to work together. 
Um, Let's go to that real quick because yeah. I, I'm like envisioning that in my head. Yeah. Like you're going, well, there's three people deep, sometimes there's two people deep. Was there anybody like leading someone? Okay, everybody, like, 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 because like you would figure it's just massive commotion in there. There was, yeah. Was it just like, okay, you're three, everybody's taking steps at the same time, or was just people are just pushing, trying to get down and Some, any organized chaos at all? It, it was kind of like, traffic and okay. on the 101 yeah okay. it, you know some people believe that they can go 80 while everyone else is doing 55 okay and and i felt bad because there were some folks who were wheelchair bound who were being carried and there right. was there were some who were you know not healthy enough to make it down the stairs and they just said i can't do it anymore and they would just pull over to the side wow. and, and and you just knew that they were going to stay there yeah and okay so you guys yeah. were on the 45th and then you sort of kept going yeah, we kept going and we kept counting down and and I remember these floors for some reason. I remember every floor as we were counting down because we got down to floor 24 and everything stopped. It was total traffic jam. We didn't go anywhere. And we st- it, we stood there for I'm sure it was probably 5 or 10 minutes, but it seemed like we stood there for an hour. Right. Uh because of what was going on, the chaos. And do you remember like the anxiety and panic and stuff of everybody else yeah. like, freaking out? And, like, yeah. Was that like just overwhelming at that point? Yeah. And, like... and I don't know if it was to calm myself or the crowd down. But at one point I even said, you know, hey, guys, we're, we're all in this together. Let's just keep counting the floors as we go down. Yeah. You know, we can only move as fast as the people in front of us. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's let's work together. I remember saying that. And then we started moving again after that long wait. And probably got down a few floors after that and firefighters were beginning to come up and I remember the face of this one firefighter. He was probably the biggest one of the group and he had sheer terror and panic in his face and he was going up and it's because of what he had already seen. Mm. I hadn't seen anything, right. but it's because of what he had already seen. So you guys didn't know that had, had tower one fallen yet? No. Okay. No. Our building was the last to be hit, but the first to fall. So, so okay. both buildings were burning at this point, but we make it down to the ground floor and there are two story windows on the ground floor, but they weren't letting us out on the ground floor. All the windows were blown out. It looked like, you know, a new year's parade with all the paper flying down. Um, you know, you could hear big thuds, like chunks of cr- concrete, possibly mm-hmm. bodies. Right. But they let us into the underground mall. So there's an underground mall that goes under both buildings. And, you know, there's a support system under both buildings there, and that's also where you can catch the subway. But World Trade Center Security, um, NYPD, uh, NYFD, uh, Port Authority Police, they were, all, they were all down there at that point. And they were, you know, ushering us, you know, keep going that way, keep going that way. I tried to get down to the subway, but there were several police officers down there blocking off the subway because that had been closed. They disabled mm-hmm. that. And so we go through the underground mall. Again, chaos. Everyone's just sort of running through the underground mall because it's as wide as any mall. You just you start running at that point. And we make it to this little tiny stairwell that brings us back up onto the ground level. Well, at that point, I noticed it was all uh, World Trade Center staff, and they were sort of linked arm in arm and just telling us, go get across the street quick, get across the street. And there were people stopping, taking pictures, looking up, and and I just figured, you know, just keep your eyes forward. Don't look up. Well, I had to. Right. I did. I looked up. And it looked like both buildings were, you know, what was once straight looked like they were sort of melting in inside themselves. Ugh. 
and you try and rationalize it in your head. You say, well, you know, the sprinklers will put it out or the firefighters will get up there and they'll put right. out the fires and I'll be back up there tomorrow, you know. But there were massive gaping holes. Right. What floors? Did, I mean, like, how low did it go? Like, what floor to, like, the 80th floor? Or was it already starting already down to the 60th where you guys were? Um, well, Tower 1 being hit first gave Tower 2 a bit of a, a warning, you know, mm -hmm. to, to get started. Some people still stayed in Tower 2 thinking, you know, that's Tower 1. We mm -hmm. have, we'll stay here until they tell us to go down. Well, Morgan Stanley had already had a policy since the, the bombing in the, in the parking garage that if there were any emergency whatsoever, that all Morgan Stanley employees would evacuate. So I was with a good company that yeah. made sure that we were already in yeah. that process. Um, but yeah, um, what was your question again? So Sorry. like when you said you would look back and they looked like they were melting inside, yeah. like yeah. when you look back and you say like, oh my gosh, like it looks like on Tower One, it's already melting into like the 60th floor, or, you know what I mean? It's yeah, okay, well, yeah, <clears throat> look, looking up and, and now knowing what I know, uh, Tower One had been hit in the the ninety range of floors, you know, for, so probably from mm -hmm. maybe maybe mid eighties to mid nineties, and so everyone above that had no warning, right? And mainly they all perished. Right. Most of them perished from up above, most. And um, in ours, the the plane hit, um, I want to say in the low eighties. Okay. Um, so it was it would have still been well above. You know, our floors, I don't know if I would have done so well from 61, but yeah, close enough, you know, for a, a 767 yeah, yeah. to be, Jeez. you know, yeah. coming in at 500 miles an yeah. hour into a, into a tower like that. So, so, so you yeah. turned around, you looked, and you saw it melting. Yeah, yeah, I see the buildings melting, and we make it across the, uh, we make it across the uh, street, and I noticed just several areas where it looks like people have thrown five-gallon buckets of paint, and there are people throwing newspapers on top of those you know big old splotches well it turns out that's what happens to a body from 110 stories so Jeez. there were there were remains mm -hmm. and and fluids you know that i can't really you know tell or speak of but now that i know after the fact i'm like oh yeah. god that's what it was and they were trying to get us in an area where people weren't jumping or at least people hadn't jumped yet um, do those, yeah, do those sites like haunt you? No, no, yeah. I, I've, I haven't been back and I've always wanted to go back. I'm sure if I made it back to the memorial, yeah. it would, um, it would be an emotional, yeah. very emotional time. So do you ever think about like the, like you said, like you, like the paint, but it was actually bodies. Like yeah. besides when you tell the story, do you ever think about that? Like at night or anything where like, ah, like PTSD. Only a couple times since yeah. then. One was really early afterwards, and I remember being in the shower um, just maybe weeks after, and and there I was standing in the shower, and I sort of rocked to the left, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, then oh. I, and then I came back, and I and then I grabbed the side of the wall, and I said, "Okay, time out, time out. I just gotta take a breather yeah. here." Right. But yeah, so. So I make it across. I gotta, I gotta get back to. Yeah. So I make it across the street, and um, and I remember hanging a right, and I don't know where I was because again, it's my second day in New York City. I hang a right and duck into a doctor's office, and 
I asked if I could use my phone. I had my World Trade Center badge on, and I'm sure they knew exactly, you know, hey, we got to let this guy use the phone. Mm -hmm. So I call my wife. I call the office. And I remember my wife just screaming as I answered the phone. <laughs> wow. And she said, run. She said, run, get out of there. Get out of there. And I didn't even ask her what happened. I just hung up the phone. And I remember like throwing a $10 bill on the desk, like saying, thank you for letting me use the phone. And I just ran. And at that point, no sooner did I get around the corner, I start to feel this rumble under my feet. And it was similar to being in an earthquake. And I've been in San Francisco where that's happened. Not the big ones, but mm -hmm. enough to know, like something's happening. Something bad is happening. Mm -hmm. And I never turned around, but I just figured, run. You know, your wife just screamed at you. She said, run, get out of there. And I later caught myself in a National Geographic special running down a street. And then shortly after, that's where the smoke was coming. You know, so mm -hmm. I, I'm so glad I never turned around. There were people actually going the opposite way. So as it's rumbling, they're running towards the buildings. I'm running away. And I, so yeah. the special is showing you running and then like you'd like hook a left and like all of a sudden it's all the stuff. Well, the I, building comes I, through. I had already made my left and I was running down that street okay. and that's when the rumble was happening. Was that the 9-11 um, One Day in America, Nat Geo? I think so. I started watching that last night. I actually. think so. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm doing a um, uh, across all the CCV campuses, uh, the church, um, they're doing a special a video on that but it has that footage in it of me running you know down they don't it's it's an abbreviated footage so mm -hmm. if you if you go on and and continue to, it it pans back and then you can start to see the the billow of smoke coming down the, right. the street yeah i mean that's one of the biggest memories i think i have of of yeah. if it just looks like it's just a huge cloud of just black smoke just like coming like at chasing at those yeah. people yeah yeah, people. yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so where were you at when that happened? Like when, so the smoke had come through, were you already in like an area where you were going to uh, further, far enough away? No, I, had I not kept running, I would have been trapped. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, you know, I had a good pace going. I was in much better shape at the time. It's in my mid twenties. So you're hauling. <laughs> and I'm, I can say I'm not in my mid twenties anymore now that we're 20 years later. Right. Um, but, but I just kept running. I'm hauling and, and then I remember uh, after, I don't know, however many minutes, I looked back. I finally looked back because the rumble had gone away and the screams had stopped. And then it was crying. Everyone was crying on the mm -hmm. street. And I looked back and there were still two towers there. Only one of them was smoke. So it was the impression of a tower next to a burning tower. So the, wow. north, the north tower was still on fire and it hadn't fallen yet. And I looked back and I'm like, the building I was in is not there anymore. It's just a pillar. It's just a pillar of smoke right next to Tower One. Wow! And I knew it was Tower One because they had the big needle, the big communication mm -hmm. needle on Tower One. So, at that point, it began to feel like a, a very deep, dark sorrow in my in my heart, and yeah. I felt like I felt like a hundred thousand people had just died, just because they told us of how many how many occupants there could be in a given day in, mm -hmm. in both towers. And I just thought, oh, my God, everyone's dead. I was just there. That building's yeah. gone. So I continue to make my way um, through New York City. 
asking people along the side. I was staying at 34th Avenue in Lexington was where our hotel was. I said, how do I get to 34th Avenue in Lexington? Cab drivers were helping me out. They're like, I'll take you. Well, the streets were jam-packed, you know. I'm like, no, I just want to walk. I just want to walk. And I was jogging and walking, jogging and walking. And then I don't know how long it was afterwards. You know, the, the official reports can tell you between the towers falling, but people started screaming again. And so the cries went to screams again. And then I looked back, and that's when I saw the needle just start to make its way down. And um, I started to cry. I couldn't stop. I just, I just cried harder than I ever had before in my life. And I couldn't stop. And I said, God, I don't know what's going on, but I can't, I can't fathom this pain right now. I need you. I need your help. Yeah. You know, I, this is impossible for me to bear at this moment. Humanly possible. Yeah, it just can't do it. Yeah. And um, I eventually make it back to my hotel. I made a few phone calls, probably still in great shock. I took off my, my uh, brand new dress shoes. And um, I remember they were both filled with blood. I threw them away afterwards, but I, I didn't feel a thing. And I went to sleep for about the next, I don't know, four to six hours, however long it was. I woke up at night, and there I was again. I was still stuck in that, that reality of what had just happened. So you went to bed or to sleep before you, like, watched the news or... Or any of that? You just probably just passed out. I I remember turning on the TV and it was ESPN uh, because I had that on in the morning as I was getting ready, and it was ESPN uh, on, and that's all it was was showing the towers falling and showing planes going into buildings, and um, and that's when I knew actually when I finally got back to the hotel room, um, however long that was or however long it took me to to run and walk back to my hotel. But yeah, that's that's when reality hit me that that plane that went in that everyone saw was the plane that ran into my building. And so, um, again, I just, it was beyond emotions for me. Yeah. Did you, even though you were only there for two days, did you like meet a few people that you were kind of hanging out with, um, that you were talking to at least? Mainly then it was just my roommate and he was from Virginia beach. I remember that. And, um, and he had enough local knowledge of the area. He he went missing for a while. We thought we thought he was stuck up in the building, but he called from home like the next day. He didn't call me, but he called Morgan yeah. Stanley. They're like, "Oh yeah, so and so made it home." I'm like, "Wow, that guy's luggage is still here." <laughs> wow. Know? He he just hopped on some kind of a train or got <laughs> yeah. on into somebody's car and said, "Get me across the bridge." Wow. Yeah. So. Um, so what was your your mindset then, like? when you woke back up and you were still like, like, Oh my God, I just went through this stuff. Cause you couldn't go home. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. So, no. yeah. So, so being from Arizona, you know, you're just trying to find a way at that point. You're like, how, how do I get home? How are we going to arrange this? You know, yeah. you, you got me here. You know, how are you going to get me out of here? Uh, but there was a note waiting for us under our doors, like from the hotel, but it was from Morgan Stanley. And it had all these guidelines of please, until we know where all of our employees are, please don't contact the press. Please don't do any yeah. interviews. And of course, there were people who came right out of the building who were like, oh, yeah, I'll give you an interview right now. You yeah, know? right. But um, 
we, we had directions and they said, look, we're, we're all going to meet tomorrow morning, you know, here. And it was like a neighboring hotel at 8 a.m. And so those of us who were left over, which was most of us who, um, um, we all made it out, by the way. If, if that's a later question, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all from the 61st floor made it out. Uh, we were missing one of our proctors for about a week though. Uh, we didn't, we couldn't account for him. Um, not everyone from Morgan Stanley made it out, but, but our, our group did. Um, so we met the next morning and it was all about, you know, how do we get out of here? I would call the airlines every day trying to get a flight, you know, mm-hmm. didn't know that we we're going to be grounded for, days uh, on end and so that was Wednesday morning and by Thursday like midnight I find myself in a Greyhound bus station and um, and there were bomb threats everywhere in in the city at that time any unattended package it could be a water bottle just left and you know someone walk away you know they were getting the bomb squads out by then um so I find myself at the bus station, um, and that was delayed quite a bit. Uh, but by the time we finally made it out, it was morning on Friday. Um, and I look back as we went across the bridge, and we kind of, I don't know where we were at that point. We made it across one of the bridges, and I look back, and still, Friday, it was like it was, it was just, it had just happened. And I remember falling asleep on the bus, um, and then waking up in Ohio, in Cleveland, Ohio, of all places. Um, and then they said, well, we've already missed our connection. You know, all travel's delayed. We just ask it, that everyone be, you know, as cooperative as, as we can be. And, and I'm like, oh, at this point, I don't care. You know, right. I'm just exhausted. And I didn't know, but my wife had already taken off from Phoenix to make her way across the country to come get me well her sister uh lived in omaha so i figured if i can get on a bus and make my way to omaha because my my bus ticket was to omaha Mm -hmm. then you know i'll at least get to her sister's house and then i'll fly home from omaha well she had taken off to go meet me so i find this this guy (laughs) he owns a, a head shop in in lincoln nebraska and uh, explain to everyone what a head shop head shop is. Head shop. Well, <laughs> it's it's where you can get a variety of herbal yeah. paraphernalia, paraphernalia, paraphernalia <laughs> stuff tools. like that. Yeah, tools okay. such. <laughs> yeah, and and he's all tatted up, and I'm still in my business clothes, and and uh, you know, so we're we're two total opposites, and uh, he he notices that I'm on the phone. Because at this point, I'm not going to wait for a delay. They said we're going to wait like six hours in a, you yeah. know, in Cleveland, to and we might catch our connecting bus. And I'm thinking, well, I just want to get home. I, I just I want to get out of here. I want to get as far away as yeah. I possibly can from this moment. And he notices, you know, that I'm, you know, calling for a rent a car, and he's like, hey, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to uh, Omaha. I'm going to at least get to the airport and drop my drop a car off there if I can get a car here. So I got a car. He's like, hey, I need to get to Lincoln. If you can just get me to Omaha, I'll get a friend to come pick me up in Omaha. So here I'm meeting a total stranger in Cleveland, getting to rent a car, doing the planes, trains, and automobiles right. thing to try and get home. And um, and we did it. You know, he said, I'll give you half the 
the money and to- two total strangers just going across the country. Was he? He wasn't in New York as well, right? No, before. no, okay. No. He just he just happened to run into him in Cleveland. <laughs> did he know yeah. you were? How long did it take before he realized what you just went through? Um, I didn't even tell him until we got in the car. Okay, and so I got to tell him my whole story. Wow, as we were in the car. How many hours is that from Cleveland? Oh. It seemed to me like, I don't know, 10, 12 hours it seemed to be. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was more like eight, but yeah. we just drove. We you know, we went through a couple of drive-thrus, and that was I'm it. I'm surprised you were able to get, even able to get a car, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. In Cleveland, though, I mean, we, I figured Cleveland, you know, being far enough away from New York yeah. City. So we make it back to Omaha, and uh, I give my sister-in-law a call. And I uh, say, hey, can you come pick me up at the airport? She's like, we're on our way. So she picks me up. We get back to her house. Uh, and I'm pulling my suitcases out of the back of her uh, her van at the time. And then I look up the street, and there's my wife coming down with my car. Oh, my God. She, she gets there. <laughs> She gets there, and the news truck is following her. The local news truck from Omaha is, is following <laughs> her. And and we get we get there within, like, 30 seconds of each other. So when did when did she find out that you were going to go to your to her sister's house? Um, I had already, I had already, well, we, oh, by then we had talked. Oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. By then okay. we had talked, but I didn't know that she was going to take off and, right. and meet me there. I just said, I'm going to get to your sister's house, and then I'm going to fly home from there because right. – you couldn't get a flight anywhere close to New York City, right? Or out of New York City. Yeah. So I figured that's the closest place I know over that I've been. You know? Right. So. So the news is following her in. Yeah. Well, they didn't know it was her, but yeah. but it was it was quite a, a fiasco when I first got there. So. Because they got wind. Looking for you, like how did they know? I I think so. I think someone from from the in-laws had contacted the local news saying, Hey, we're going to pick up my brother who was just in the world trade center. Okay. Yeah. I think that's kind of how the word spread. It was your, uh, your buddy in the car with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at my sister-in-law and I'm like, we're not supposed to contact the press yet. We don't know if we've all been accounted for. And you know, I was just trying to be the good guy, you Mm -hmm. know, the boy scout. Yeah. The boy scout. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that's that's just the beginning of the story, really. I mean, because that's we go on to a yet another tragedy after that, and and I don't know how much you want to go into that, but let's go into a, a quick. Yeah. Um, let's let's just do a quick like break question, yeah, to kind of mix it up a little bit here before a we go into it. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your favorite? book or movie or do you have a mentor out there that I do have a mentor out there um too as a matter of fact uh my uncle David um who is in not only in in faith and philosophy and education in so many different ways um a man who I would love to and continue to try and emulate as much as I can um, and a man by the name of Tom Mitchell, who is with Long Realty. He's just newly retired. Um, he's a, a gentleman that um, we look up to. He's, he's that inspirational guy. He's the guy who, um, if you want to, we do have a meeting of the minds, and he, he gets together and teaches us, you know, the Buffini program through real estate. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so much more um, about sales and life and 
and education. So, and how long have you known him? Well, Tom, only a year. Okay, only a year, but he reminds me of my uncle David. Okay, um, but my uncle David, I call dad, and he calls me son, and that's how close we are. Nice. Yeah. Is he in Phoenix? No, he's in uh, he's in uh, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. To make sure he watches this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So let's uh, let's move on to the next part. Yeah. Um, so after you guys were, so you leave Omaha, go back to Phoenix. We get back to Phoenix, yeah. And uh, this isn't the, 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 the good stuff, but I just have a quick question for you. Sure. Did you stay in finance? <laughs> I did. I okay. did. As a matter of fact, um, so I started in 96, kind of off and on. And, okay. And then by 2001, they had finished up our training in, in San Francisco. So by the end of October, they said, you're going to be going to, to San Francisco. We've decided where we're going to end the training. You know, you're going to be in San Francisco. It was more of a regional than mm-hmm. a national thing. And yeah, I stayed in that business up until about five years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you committed. I committed. <laughs> you I, did. I committed. I stayed. But it, it just, again, with corporate takeover and big bank takeover, oh. it just it yeah. uh, became an unrecognizable place to me. Right. And uh, I wasn't too keen on, you know, where things were going. So Gotcha. Yeah. So that, that was all in Phoenix. So so let, let's lead us into the next part of the story. Yeah. This may be a two-episoder. No, no, no. I'll, I'll keep it brief just because uh, this part isn't, you know, an ongoing. But, yeah. um, you know, you go through things like this in life and you, you ask God, you know, why me? Why did you spare me? And, you know, I've had dark days and, and I've had bright days. And, you know, fast forward nine years later, um, we're going through flu season and my wife, uh, Julie at the time, she, um, she came down with what looked like the flu, developing a temperature, sweating, not feeling so good. I had gone to a dinner, gave her some Tylenol. She says, I'll be fine. You go ahead. And I came back and she was in full seizure at that time. And we took her to ER and, um, they ran several tests they noticed a um, an abnormality in her brain. Uh, she had a spot in her brain, and they mentioned several things. But they said we won't know till we take a biopsy. Well, about a month later, we went in for biopsy, and and that night I found out that she was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. So nice. so here I was, um, you know, about ten years into to being married after having gone through that and and now being told that you're going to lose your wife too. And it was almost at that moment that God said, all right, this is why I spared you. You've got a, a greater purpose. I need you to, I need you to take care of her. I need you to help her. I need you to uh, escort her. And, and we were both um, very, very religious, very faithful. We still are. I mean, I still am. And, um, it took uh, it took twenty months and two brain surgeries later, but um, she finally succumbed to her terminal um, Ill- illness or terminal cancer. And again, uh, faith tested. Um, this was harder. This was harder than seeing. Um, I, and I hate to say it this way, just because this is more personal to me. You know, yeah. I've, I've seen things that I didn't need to see on nine eleven. 
but it became more personal to me when it was my wife because it was just us. We didn't have any kids. Mm -hmm. And so she was everything at the time. She was the kid. She was my wife. She was my friend. She was everything. And uh, I remember, um, I don't know how long it was after she passed, but her brother uh, came to stay with me, and he was a pastor, uh, which helped me. You know, he helped um, consult me through a lot of things. But he and his wife were at the house, and I, I begged for them to to leave the house one night. And, you know, I thought, now that I'm looking back, I'm like, oh, man, they probably thought I was going to take my life at the time because I was in such deep sorrow. But it wasn't that way. I, I had to get to a point again to where I had to call on God. I had to drop to my knees, and I had to give up because I did. I gave up. And I remember dropping to my knees that night after singing to the top of my lungs and crying. And I, and I remember dropping to my knees and saying, God, if you don't take this pain from me tonight, I don't want to wake up tomorrow. That was reaching a hurdle that I, I couldn't overcome. Yeah. So again, calling on God to help me out. And I remember waking up that next morning and, um, and my brother had come home uh, that night, but I remember waking up that next morning and the, it was gone. All, all the sorrow was gone. And, and I think it's just a lesson for me and maybe a lesson to all of us is that you know, a lot of times we think we know how to control the course of our life, but we don't have any control over that. That's not up to us. But um, when did you get to the point, though, when you're like, you know, with, even with all the faith, right? You're, you've mm -hmm. got all, when the, you have tragedy happening, then tragedy happening again. And mm -hmm. you're just like, dude, like, when do you go, like, well, is, did you ever go, is God real? <laughs> why, are you putting, why are you putting all this shit on me? Right, right. <laughs> like, this is sucks, and I don't well, think I want to do this. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people wondered about that. And, and even I wondered about that at times. It's just like, you know, am I, am I cursed or am I blessed? And there's two schools of thought in that process. And honestly, if, if, you, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't have a relationship with your creator, if you don't have a relationship with the one who gave you this life, I believe that's where you go. You go down the dark hole. You don't find a way through the valley of the shadow of death. You, right. you crawl into the, that hole and you never make it out. But I feel blessed because... Here, we can go ahead and fast forward again. You know, um, I am now remarried and I have two boys. And and I married a woman who said, if, if you're going to do something meaningful in your life, you're going to tell people your story. And we run a beautiful, wonderful real estate team, she and I do, and we are the 9-11 group. And mm -hmm. she says you're going to make this part of your everyday life. This will be the fiber of what we do. And everyone who works with us will know your story. And, and that's the blessing. That's the blessing of Who's your wife. My wife is Barbara. <laughs> yes. Barbara. Yes. Barbara Haggerty. Barbara Haggerty. Yes. Haggerty. Yes. Oh boy. Well, that's freaking crazy. Um, yeah. I feel and, like I want to ask, question, <laughs> but, uh, so how long have you guys been together, you and Barb? Barbara. Five years. Uh, yeah. Five years. Yeah. Yeah. Close um, to. And the funny thing is, is when we met, you and 
here. Come over here. <laughs> we knew this was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Barbara and I have known each other almost her entire life, so we can share a microphone. You've known so. of each other. <laughs> <laughs> How I met Danny, I was in the insurance business, and I sold insurance to his entire office. And... Um, his buddy Doug would always say, you have to meet Danny. You've got to meet Danny. And I was like, who is this Danny guy? And, um, you know, I was going through some different times in my life. And so when I met him, I was like, hey, who do you have for your insurance? Like, <laughs> right. that's all I cared about. Yeah, right. I wanted to be number one this week. And I needed, like, one more policy. One more like, sale. Yeah, right. One more sale. <laughs> and so, um, anyhow, so... I kept asking him, and, and so finally I sold him a policy, and then I was like, hey, you want to go for a beer? And he kept telling me no. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> Look no, at me. Right? No, Just, I was like, I'm nice. Like, she, why can't you? She's off camera. She's a 10, and I'm like a, I'm like a 5. You know? yeah. Yeah. She's pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, he finally, like, meets me for a beer. We have a beer. <laughs> and then I was like, hey, I got to go. And he's like, well, where are you going? And I was going on a date with somebody she else. Went on a <laughs> it was. Did you this, tell him that? No, <laughs> no. This was a. It was like it was a friend thing, and I'm like taking it as more of a friend. Right. You know. So like we had our beer, and I was like, "Hey, high five! Like, see you later." And he's like, "Do I at least like get a hug?" And we were at Panoogies, you know, for 83rd. And I was like, "Oh yeah." So I go, "Okay, I'll see you tomorrow." And then you know, we always just kind of gave each other a hard time. And then he had called me one yeah. time, and we just kind of got to know each other. And he, you know, told me his story, and I was like. Wow, and then um, you know I was a single mom, and he was like, "Oh, I'm a widower, and we have three dogs." And I'm like, "Well, I'm a single mom, and I have two kids, so like this is never gonna work." Like, yeah. she, forever, ever. she wasn't into dogs, and I wasn't into kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and now we have both. Yeah, <laughs> and now we have both. So here we are. So did you? Uh, sorry, I'm gonna keep asking you questions. So did you? When did you leave the insurance business and decide I'm gonna go into the real estate business and join Old Last Danny here? Last year. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we had been, he was in financials. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in insurance. Well, in, in just, 2020, yeah. 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 And I was just done. I wanted something different. I always wanted, you know, my dad was a mortgage broker. He owned his own company. So he always had tons of real estate friends. And, and I was like, oh, I want to get into real estate. And I thought, what am I waiting for? You know? Yeah. So I said to Danny, let's be a team. You and I will go. He's like, are you serious? Like, work together? I'm like, come on. I'm so much fun. This will be fun. And so we went and we got our license and she wanted to go into real estate, but I wasn't necessarily sold on the idea. I just said, look, I'll help you pass. So I'll go to school. Mm. And then it passed. (laughs) But she didn't just yet. (laughs) I'm so mad. He was in the truck. We took it the same day. He's waiting in the truck and he's like, yeah. And I was like, don't even talk to me. I don't want to look at you. I was like, it's my fault. Crying. It was awful. Hey, you got married, bro. No. Well, that's yeah. crazy. So, when, did, how did you feel about like, like when he told you? I mean, I guess I'm thinking he's telling me the story, right? Or he's telling us the story about you know his ex-wife and stuff. And she's obviously he's a widower. How did you feel about that? Like going into the relationship and him telling the story all the time about you know because it's part of the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's part of his story. It's part yeah. of his testimony. And I fell in love with Danny because of his testimony because. I was going through such a hard time in my life, and I'm like, how is this guy who went through 9-11, saw tragedy, then his love of his life, his wife, who he was married to for 10, 11 years, 
was so sick. Not only, I mean, she didn't pass right away, and she was sick for years. And people yeah. would say, you should have seen how Danny took care of Julie. And, and he took care of her and loved her to the very end. So I was thinking, oh, my gosh, if he could love someone so much and, you know, be dedicated to just his wife. And I thought, what an amazing person. Like, what an amazing person. And that's how he treats everybody in his life. So to me, I just fell in love with him because I knew in his heart, like, he had the biggest heart and how close he was, like, in his faith. How mm -hmm. he just continued to live and not give up and and um, and help other people. So when people are struggling, like, people will call Danny and, and he'll just tell him, like, listen, it's going to be okay. And, yeah. And there, is, there is a way out of, yeah. of things, even in the darkest times. And mm -hmm. the answer is, like, there's no way I could have taken care of Julie if God wasn't taking care of me. And he, he did. He sustained me. He kept me yeah. that whole time. But we do have yeah. some funny moments. Like sometimes we'll be, like say we're doing yard work or something, and he'll say some crazy, something crazy to me. And I'll be like, look up at the sky. Julie, like why do you have to leave? <laughs> and it was so funny because yesterday he's doing he's doing a big series for CCB. And yeah. he, they needed a picture of Julie because she's part of the story. She's yeah. part of our lives forever. You know, it's not her fault that she passed away. And so Brayden, our youngest, who's 10, he sees Danny hand over the picture of Julie and the guy, and he's watching the guy, and the guy takes it, looks at it, and he puts it in the car, and Brayden goes, oh, well, there goes Julie. Yeah. <laughs> so these little babies, these, these little babies who I've taken in, and now I'm dad, yeah. you know, um, they they have a relationship with a woman they've never met, that she's gone. Jules. They call her Angel Jules. Yeah, yeah Brayden was two, and yeah. Brady was four when, when wow. he came into Danny's life. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. So where was the foresight? I hate, I hate to do this. Keep doing this. Sorry. So you, when you're building your business, what I think is super smart, by the way, to mm -hmm. because this is a something that's going to resonate with people. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it shows like who you are, and that's basically who people want to work with, right? Mm -hmm. People that they like, know, and trust. And obviously, you somebody that everybody's going to trust. Um, I would hope so. Yeah. I think pretty instantaneously, and not even just the story. I think it's probably just energy vibe a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. um so did you ever feel like okay well i want to tell my story i want to tell my story to ccv i want to tell my story to people do i want to tell my story in business right mm -hmm. so did you ever struggle with that thought process of like i don't know if i really want to do this in business or i did i did yeah. because uh and i believe that's why i was probably no longer in the financial services industry because i, I didn't i always hesitated to even go into it mm -hmm. unless i was asked yeah and, but now, and, and now I know, like, God has a purpose for everything. You know, God placed Barb in my life because he, God wants me to tell this story. He wants me to share my testimony. And I'm always hesitant to do so, but then I meet a woman who says, look, not only are you going to share your testimony, but we're going to base everything we do on your testimony, on your life. Yeah. This is powerful. People need to understand. They need to know. They need to know how God's working in your life and how that impacts everything we do. So, yeah. you know, you just see how, you know, how dark things were, how dark things could even get further into a darkness. And then now the purpose is there. The purpose is there. And, and it is. It's like it's going to help yeah. with the calmness of having a real estate transaction. When yes. everybody else is freaking out, you look at him like, this is nothing. Seriously. Is. It's going to be okay, everybody. Right. right. And then they're going to be like, okay, never mind. Because <laughs> like, well, they don't want to go. Whenever, whenever we have a hiccup, she always says, don't worry, Danny will talk to him. <laughs> yeah. So he tends, like, I'm more of the upfront in the marketing. 
And then I'll always say, and at the end, you know, Danny will take care of you. He makes sure everything runs smooth. So all these people are like freaking out. And then I'll say, Danny, can you just give him a call? And he'll just give him a call. And I think it's his voice. You know, he has a yeah. deep voice. And he'll say, listen, let's. I'll be there for you tomorrow. Do you need me to come over? Yeah. I'll talk you through the process. And he just he makes sure that they know everything's going to be okay. And that's yeah. what he does. It's like a servant yeah. leader. <laughs> you have to be. Yeah. <laughs> you have I to mean. be. Yeah. So where where are you guys um, getting your clients? Like, are you heavily networked just because you've been in the Northwest for a long time? Is it church? Like, since you're doing the marketing, Barb. For for this one, it's I believe it's because she's just a native, and she's just you know, like I said, everywhere we go, Barb. You know, it's, it's it gets old, but it I get, it works too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we stick with our centers of influence. Yeah. You know, we really do. Um, we've been in the um, club baseball uh, atmosphere for wow. For how many years now? Like five or six, five or six yeah. years, but it's it's funny. It doesn't matter if you you know if you're in a different organization or not. You go on a, a given weekend and you see a hundred people that you know you've yeah. either played with or played against, but you all become a family. You know, right. You all looking after each other, and then the next thing you know, they're like, "Hey, what are you doing these days?" And right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's the it's the just let the conversation kind of come yeah come to you yeah and organically you guys start getting busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't hurt at all. Yeah. Do you guys ever do you do you go into any of your old financial clients? I uh, no. no no I don't. You're like I'm done with that world. <laughs> I got it. Yeah yeah I, it was uh, it was a good it was a good walk away. Yeah. Situation for me. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, Trish, you have any more questions? Uh, let everybody kind of soak in on this for a little bit. Yeah. Everything's kind of still steeping in my brain right now. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Do you you want to touch a little bit about what you're doing at CCV? Um, well, what they're doing, um, they, they're starting a series on the life of Joseph in the Bible, but um, it's, it's talking about uh, the walls we face in life, you know, the hurdles we face in life. And and we know some some folks over in the Surprise Campus, uh, one who's a pastor over there, and, you know, just sharing that story, they said, look, we need to focus in on, you know, this story, Danny's testimony about facing those walls, you know, and how to, not how to, but how God helps us, you know, get, break through those walls, how he gets us out of that darkness, how we, you know, mm-hmm. face those hurdles in life, whether it be, you know, in our family life, our business life, our personal life. Um, you know, it's just a, it's a kickoff video. It's I think they told me it's only going to be like about five or six minutes, but mm-hmm. it's very, very impactful because, you know, it's a story that we all know. We all remember where we were that day. Yep. But, you know, they're they're talking about, you know, 9-11, you know, the death of my wife and then where I am today and how without God, you know, none of that is possible Yeah. without God in my life. So, um, you know, it's, it's something that um, over this weekend on the 11th and 12th, um, starting at four o'clock, you can go on the CCV website and, and just see the video. And, um, so it'll be highlighted all, all weekend this weekend. We'll link right. it in the show notes. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. This was Thank super exciting. And man, this is the second person that's come on and for, told his testimony. Um, our, my other friend Shay, just like three weeks ago, did a whole deal. You, have you seen that one? We have. Okay. That was okay. great. It was great. And, and I wish... I wish we had more time because if I were to share like the the full, yeah, we could be here all day. 
We really yeah, well, we can always have you back. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> I, I'd be. I'd love to come back. Shay's great. I played golf yeah. with Shay yesterday. Yeah, actually, yeah, he's a realtor. Yeah. He's a he's at EXP now, but he was with Russell Lions Sotheby's for a while. But he's a D- DC Ranch Silverleaf area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's a he's a solid human being. Yeah. Um. So yeah, again, thank you to uh, Trey, my nephew here doing the podcast engineering over here. Or, whatever he's doing over there <laughs> on his phone. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Trisha, thank you so much for setting this up and doing the production and all the social media and all that stuff for this. Um, again, we are a mortgage company here at VIP mortgage and we are the Crawford team. So we do need deals, everybody out there. So if you know anybody that, uh, looking to purchase a home or refinance their home, please contact me via social media. Or if you have my phone number, you can just call me or text me. Um, Our agents who are out there looking for partners. Oh, and LO is looking to come work for us. <laughs> <laughs> we never really do this too much. We're not. The podcast is is in a real estate mortgage bu- building, and we obviously do this for a living. But the this is more about just cool people doing cool things in in the community. Yeah, and honestly, I had no idea that you were even in real estate when we were contacted to have you on. Oh, okay. So yep. it was sheer coincidence. I mean, I don't know if you knew. We just Ryan. thought this guy was really nice. I knew. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. I was like, wow. Like, oh my God. I didn't yeah. know he was Barry the Barb Waggerty. Yeah. Like she, uh, he put, me on speaker and Barb piped in. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. I said, just tell her my last name. She's going to know. Yeah. 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 Did your sister do insurance too? No, she's in farm pharmaceuticals. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. I used to see her at the Panera all the time. Oh yeah. On 67th Avenue in the one Oh one. Yep. Yep. I used to do that world too. All right. So anyways, back to that. Thank you uh, to VIP mortgage again for letting us do this here. Um, we need people to come onto our pages, like, and subscribe on YouTube. Ring the bell for notifications. Real Talk with Ryan Madrid on Instagram, Facebook. Please, we need uh, we need more followers. We need more people to share this, um, especially this one. I think this is going to be a really good. It's probably going to be our our biggest one. our biggest one. I'm assuming. If it's not, it's their problem. But um, again, thank you, Danny, so much. Thank Thanks, you for Barb. having me. Yeah, appreciate it. And thank, thank you, you to uh, Shayla's family for reaching out <laughs> and setting this up as well. All right, thanks again. Real Talk is brought to you by Zunami. We all know that we should be doing more videos than we are doing. And one of the hesitations for myself is that I don't feel like I do a very good job filming them. Um, I get nervous about the way they're going to look. And I am pretty sure that most people, people feel the same way as I do. So Zunami is a product that will allow you to film your own videos. And you can send those videos via... Uh, via the app that you can download it on the app store and they will make the video look professional because it is done by a professional editing team so you want a header you want a footer you want to just look better in general um, and for the cost it's it's unbelievably inexpensive so if you're looking for video help this is the best way to go about doing it um, especially if you want to film videos on your phone like we all should. So it's Zunami with an X. And if you want to find them online, it's Zunami with an X dot net. X-U-N-A-M-I dot net.
VIP Mortgage Incorporated does business in accordance with the federal fair lending laws, NMLS ID 145502. For state-specific licensing, please visit www.vipmtginc.com forward slash national hyphen licenses forward slash. VIP is not acting on behalf of or at the direction of the FHA, HUD, or the federal government. VIP is an equal housing lender.